Okay, today I ask that you indulge me in a thought experiment. I think you'll find this as interesting as I do. Um, to do this, I want to introduce you to a member of the Finland Parliament. This is a, a veteran politician in the nation of Finland. Her name is Dr. Pavi Rossinen. Dr. Pavi Rossinen is a woman. She is married to a pastor in the Lutheran Church. And right now, she is facing prosecution in Finland for war crimes and crimes against humanity. This is obviously the, the name illustrates this. This is a very, very serious issue that's happening to her. Um, under the Finnish code of law, she is facing charges for ethnic agitation. So what does this mean? It, it, the allegation is that she was discriminatory towards minorities. And you might be asking, as I was when I read this, I found this to be a very fascinating piece. What exactly did she do? What was her crime or what is, what is the alleged crime here? Well, the alleged crime, this crimes against humanity, these war crimes that she's accused of, by the way, she could serve prison time, obviously, for this. Um, the discriminatory behavior that she is alleged to have committed against minorities is a tweet that she sent. A tweet that she sent several years ago, two years ago in 2019, well, three years ago, I guess now, three years ago, in which she criticized the Lutheran Church, of which she is a member, for sponsoring the Pride Parade in 2019. This is her tweet. Are you ready for this? This is so horrendous. It's so, it is a crime against humanity. She says, Kirko has stated that he is the official partner of Pride 2019. How does the doctrinal foundation of the church fit in with sh the shame and sin being raised as a matter of pride? End quote. So as you can hear, as you can see, isn't that totally horrendous? Oh, wait a second. No, no, no. That's not horrendous at all. In fact, it's extremely respectful. It's a respectful way of addressing the fact that a church, a Christian church that purports to be based on biblical ethics, including biblical sexual ethics, was sponsoring an event, Pride 2019, that is based on the celebration of sexual behavior that is in contradiction of biblical sexual ethics. And so did she say anything about gay people? Did she dehumanize the LGBT community? Did she target and attack any specific person for the choice they have made about their lifestyle? No, she did not. She did not. She questioned a church leader for sponsoring an event that celebrates sin as defined by the Bible, sin as defined by the Christian church. And for this, my friends, she is facing three criminal charges. She faces, if convicted, up to two years in prison for ethnic agitation. This falls under the head, as I mentioned, war crimes and crimes against humanity. If this can happen in Finland, of all places, this can happen here. This is what happens when you allow speech that some might find offensive. I fully understand that. People in the LGBT community might find it offensive that this pastor's wife, this member of parliament, thinks that what they're doing is sin. You're allowed to find that offensive. I don't find that offensive because I find that to be simply the reality of what God laid out in the Bible. But you're allowed to find that offensive. But when we as a society, as a culture, allow people's language that might offend others to be branded as hate speech, and we equate the idea of offensive speech, even hate speech, as being an actual crime rather than defending someone's right to say what they believe, even if you don't agree with what they believe, then what happens is your beliefs and my beliefs are criminalized. Christianity is on the cusp of being criminalized. And so I wanna talk about, the thought experiment that I mentioned is I wanna talk for a second about 
what is hate? I want to answer the question, what is hate? Because the answer to this question, when you peel back the layers of this onion, the answer to this question might surprise you. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. All right, so this thought experiment that I've been working on the last couple days in my mind, I've been fleshing out this idea in order to, well, get your opinion on this idea, is the question, what is hate? Can words be hate? Can words be hate or are words just abusive? And the reason that we need to answer this question is essentially because of everything that's happening across our country. And when I say everything that's happening, you know my phrase here, things aren't just happening arbitrarily. They're happening as a direct result of a political choice made oftentimes by the Biden administration, by the radical left, by any politician. In this case, the things that are happening across our country are happening based on the left's idea that speech itself can be violence, that speech that offends the left is itself violence instead of just words being words and sticks and stones may hurt your bones, but words will never hurt you. So I want to talk about this in depth in just a second, but first I want to talk about Echelon Fitness. Now, you all know that my New Year's resolution, one of my six New Year's resolutions is to work out three days a week. I don't have time to go to the gym, however. I have a small child. I'm very busy with work. Fortunately, Echelon Fitness helps me bring the gym to my home. This helps a lot. It also helps to have world-class instructors like Nicole Griffin and Michael Brown choreographing classes with music from my favorite artists. And I get a community of hundreds of thousands of people who can give me that extra push. Echelon Fitness is the affordable way to get the workout equipment, the workout community, and an instructor's motivation right to the comfort and privacy of your own home. Echelon Fitness's full range of affordable workout equipment, including stationary bikes, smart rowers, sleek fitness screens, and the auto-folding treadmill are all connected to provide the Echelon Fitness experience. Experience. And one membership covers a family of five. So right now, for a limited time, listeners of my show get up to $650 off MSRP. To get this exclusive offer, text Liz to 818181. Text L-I-Z to 818181 to get up to $650 off MSRP. And there's a mandatory disclaimer here. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. But this is worth it. It's good for busy people living busy lives who still want to get in shape. Okay, so remember when we were all teenagers and our parents were teaching us about relationships and the first thing that they told us, especially young women here, I think, but the first thing that they told us is remember that love is not a feeling, love is an action. You can, you can feel loving feelings, you can even use your words to express your loving feelings, but truly to love someone is reflected in your behavior towards them. Are you serving them? Are you being sacrificial? Are you... Um, treating them the way that God treats them? Are you trying to lead them to be the best version of themselves, to be holy in God's eyes? And it's the actions, It's I mean, it's the classic, right? Actions speak louder than words. But love itself isn't a feeling, it's an action. And so when you're analyzing whether you're in a healthy relationship or not, you have to analyze, okay, well, they say they love me, but do their actions reflect that? And I think, I think the reverse of this is also true. When we're talking about hate, hate is not just a feeling. Hate is not just a hate is not just words. Your words can be reflective of the, of your hate, but words themselves cannot be hate. They can be hateful, but really hate is the same as love. Hate is hate is the same as love in the sense that your actions reflect whether you truly love someone or whether you are hateful towards them. And so 
the, the, the context of this is that a healthy relationship, obviously, both your feelings and your words and your actions are all loving towards the other people. An abusive relationship, you might have two out of those three. You might have loving words. You might even have some loving feelings, but an abusive relationship doesn't have loving actions. So an abusive relationship, of course, uses the other party for their own gain, for their own gratification, for their own agenda. But that, that exploitation or that use is, is abusive. It is hateful in and of itself. And so today, the thought experiment that I want to talk about is this idea that the left is actually engaged in an abusive relationship with everybody that they care or that they claim to care about. So the left, the left constantly says, well, we're here to stand up for women. We're here to stand up for the LGBT community. We're here to stand up for parents. We're here to stand up for the marginalized. We're here to stand up for migrants and illegal aliens, those who have faded into the shadows of the United States. We're here to stand up for the working man. And it's funny because if you look at the left's relationship with each one of these groups, if you look at it through the lens of the idea that Love is based not on words, but actions. And hate is also based on actions and not words. Then I would posit to you that the left actually hates these groups. The left actually hates the people that they claim to care about. And I I don't want to talk about this just hypothetically. I want to talk about this in the sense, let's talk about women, for example. We've talked about on this show, we've talked about Leah Thomas, this transgender swimmer that swims for the University of Pennsylvania, born a man, born Will Thomas, transition, actually competed as a man in swimming for three years before transitioning to a quote unquote woman. I can't even say that and be taken seriously in my own eyes. But Leah Thomas is now competing as a woman and decimating the female, her female competitors. She's breaking records. Just this week, she dominated again in a dual meet against Harvard. And there's a, there's a teammate of Leah Thomas. This teammate says that women are now third-class citizens. And this teammate, it's funny because when I read through her comments, she she gave anonymous comments to the Washington Examiner because she didn't want retaliation, which I understand. Reading through her comments, it's really telling. This is what she said. She said, Leah was not even close to being competitive as a man in the 50 and 100 meter races. But just because Liz is biologically, or just because Leah is biologically a man, Leah is just naturally better than many females in the 50 and 100 or anything that Leah wasn't good at as a man. This teammate goes on to say the top people at the NCAA who are on the board of directors, they are not protecting women's rights. Because it's women who are being hurt, they don't care. Now get this, this is the part that really got me. This teammate says, I am typically a liberal, but this is past that. This is so wrong. This doesn't even make any sense. I can't just sit back and let something like this happen. I'm not just going to sit back and say, my rights are being taken away too bad. It's embarrassing that people aren't speaking out more. And then she goes on to say, women are now third-class citizens. And so I read this story. I watch this unfold. You can see these races where Leah Thomas, who even even looks like her, the body of this person looks like a man because Leah Thomas was born a biological man. And I think this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. This is, this is an example of the left who says, we love you, women. We are women's champions. We are about women's rights. Those are their words. But their actions are rendering women third-class citizens. Their actions are refusing to protect women's rights. Their actions are rejecting the objective reality that men and women are different, and that when men and women directly compete in a physical sport, women are going to lose. 
the man is going to win. The man is going to win that achievement. The man is rendering biological women completely obsolete. And if that, if that, doesn't, if that doesn't show that the left, if, if those actions don't speak louder than worse, then I don't know what does. This is also true when it comes to children. The left claims that they care about kids. The left claims, let's take COVID, for example. Let's not be hypothetical about this. The left claims that they want to protect children from COVID-19. Now, you and I know the statistics about COVID-19. We know that Sonia Sotomayor, Supreme Court Justice, was absolutely horrendously like CNN level wrong when she claimed that 100,000 children are hospitalized from COVID, many on ventilators. Like, no, not even true. I think the number is like 3,500 children, the vast, vast, vast majority of whom have serious comorbidities, serious other problems that um, play into their hospitalization at least as much, if not more so, than COVID does. But there's this, there's this fight that's happening across the United States right now over school closures and masking in schools. The left is trying to mask children, even though children are not at serious risk from COVID and they're not, they're not serious vectors of transmission of COVID and teachers and administrators are not getting sick and dying based on, you know, children getting COVID or transmitting COVID or any of the above. So there's no, there's no sensible or scientific or practical reason for children to be masked in school. And that's not even taking into account these school closures that's, that are making children attend Zoom school instead. Nonetheless, the Flint, Michigan school district has moved their schools, their public schools, to remote learning Zoom school indefinitely. They have taken children out of the classroom and made them attend public school on Zoom with no end in sight, no limiting principle here, all in the name of protecting children, or so they say. And when the public health officials are asked about this, as they should be asked about this, because this contradicts science and practicality, when the public health officials are asked to comment on this, I want you to hear what Fauci, I want you to hear for yourself how Fauci, Dr. Fauci, responds to this. Take a listen. So when we read headlines like the school system in Flint, Michigan, has decided now to go virtual again indefinitely, does that make sense to you? Given all the tools we do have at our disposal right now, sending school kids home again, you think that's a good idea? Well, I can't comment on any individual school district because things differ from district to district, and I think that would be unfair. He won't even comment on it. He claims he is the science. He claims he is the arbiter of science, and yet he won't comment on whether this is scientific or not, because it's not. This shows the dichotomy between the left's words and the left's, the left's actions. They claim they care about children. They claim that this is all for children's good, and yet they're implementing policies that are demonstrably bad for the children. I mean, masks are not only bad for children in the sense that it dehumanizes children, it's bad for them developmentally, and there's an argument to be made that it's bad for them physically. Remote learning is terrible. It's a waste of children's time. They're, they suffer learning loss. They're not learning what they should be learning. It's, again, it's dehumanizing to them. It's ridiculous. It shows that government tyranny takes a higher priority in the mind of these school administrators than the children do. This is supposed to be about the kids. At the same time, the left also wants to reduce parental choice when it comes to how their children can be educated. We know you have to send your child to school. That's the law of the land. You'll be thrown in jail for truancy if you don't send your child to school. Yet the public school option is the only option for some parents because private schools can be expensive. Maybe your public school is failing, but you don't have the option of sending your child to a different school because the left is opposed to school choice. 
the right wants to give parents the choice, okay, if you don't like your public school or the policies or the curriculum, just take your child and take your child's money and send your child to a different school. The left is opposed to that. The left is also waging a concerted effort against homeschooling. Harvard in particular, this professor by the name of Elizabeth Bartholet is leading this charge against homeschooling. She's making this absolutely false and insane claim that it is abusive to homeschool your child. Not because she thinks that children are more likely to be abused when they are homeschooled, which they are not, statistics show, but just her argument is that just depriving a child of the public school experience is in and of itself abusive. So the left claims they care about children, and yet they are forcing children to be subject to these draconian mandates, these draconian dictates that actively harm children. And so if love is an action and not a word, and hate is also an action and not a word, then the left hates children. And their actions prove that. The same with parents, perhaps even more so, parents. We're gonna talk about parents in just a second, but first I wanna talk to you about soul. Today's episode of the Liz Wheeler Show is brought to you by soul. Soul is the sustainable orthopedic footwear company that seeks to enhance your mobility and improve your foot health to keep you in the game longer by building shoes from the inside out. So first of all, Let's start with this. Did you know that 85% of the population will have one or four more foot-related ailments in their lifetime? A lot of these admittedly unsexy ailments can be helped with a footbed. Soul defines their signature footbed as a great place to rest your soul. It's affordable, it's customizable, and it improves people's everyday foot comfort. Millions of customers rave about this product, and two-thirds of Soul customers have two or more pairs of footbeds. Once you know the comfort, the pain relief, the performance enhancement, and injury prevention benefits of Soul footbeds, you will want them in every shoe you own. So Soul has an amazing offer for first-time customers, 50% off if you use my URL, yoursoul.com slash Liz, yoursoule.com slash Liz, so you can try Soul for yourself. They're so confident that you'll love them. They offer a 90-day money-back guarantee. It's very hard to go wrong here. This offer also applies to all items on the Soul store, be it footbeds or footwear, yoursoul.com slash Liz. Okay, parents are not immune to this either. We have the left claiming that they care for parents, claiming that they are the champions for parents. You know, they want, they want more parental leave. They want the government to take care of you from cradle to grave, including when you're parenting. Yet their words, their words contradi- are contradicted by their actions here. And there's two great examples of this just this week. Take the curriculum transparency movement. The curriculum transparency movement builds on the anti-critical race theory movement. First, parents said, nope, we don't want racism taught to our kids. We don't want our white children taught they're racist based on the color of their skin or our black children taught that they are oppressed based on the color of their skin. Get that poisonous garbage out of our schools. So we've been, the conservative movement, you and I, have been pretty successful in waging this attack on critical race theory, getting this out of schools. The next step to this, though, It's making sure that critical race theory under a different name or the principles of critical race theory are not sneakily being taught to your children, are not being taught on the sly to your children. And the solution to this is curriculum transparency, that you, the parent, should be able to go online to your school district, to the particular class that your child is in, and you should be able to see all all the curriculum materials that's being taught to your child, the videos, the books, the lectures, everything. You should have access to it all. There should be no secrets between... Um, or no secrets between you and the school district. There should be nothing that's being taught to your child that you're not aware of. And yet, the left, who claims to care about teachers, they claim to care about parents, they claim that there is a role for parents in the classroom. Of course, 
unless you are a failed gubernatorial candidate named Terry McAuliffe in the state of Virginia, then you just claim parents don't have any role in the classroom. The left actually claims that there are champions of parents here. At the same time, you have public school teachers. This is a US history teacher in a public school. This is a direct quote. These curriculum transparency laws further white supremacy and our political theater. That is a direct quote from a US history teacher in school. You are told that if you want curriculum transparency that you are a white supremacist. Why? Not because it's true, that's false, it's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous argument from the left, but it's because they don't want curriculum transparency. Because the left doesn't believe that you as a parent has any, have any role in what's being taught to your child in a public school. And so their words, they claim that they care about you, that you have a role as a parent in the education of your child, and yet their actions show otherwise because they're fighting against these curriculum transparency laws. It actually gets even more extreme than this. The left it has on the chopping block your parental rights. And I don't say this to sound hyperbolic here. I'm not, I'm not engaging in, hyper, in hyperbole. In the state of California, there was a bill that was introduced by State Senator Scott Weiner, and we'll talk about him specifically in a moment because everyone should be aware of this man. There was a bill, it's Senate Bill 866, that would give power to children, 12 years old through 18 years old, these are minors, your kids, that would allow kids to get vaccinated without the consent of their parents. Now, this is being presented in, as usual, a disingenuous way. It's being presented as, oh, well, the COVID-19 vaccine, if you don't have time to give consent to your child because your work schedule is so busy, this allows your child to just go ahead and get the COVID-19 vaccine. But as always, if you read the language of the statute itself, the language of this, it's not a statute yet, the language of the legislation itself, which I have, you will find that this is presented in a dishonest way because what this bill actually does is it gives children the power to override parental objection to any and all vaccines. So all of a sudden your 12 year old kid can do whatever he or she wants. Now, I'm not, I'm not actually targeting 12-year-old children here. What, what this brings to light is the fact that your 12-year-old child, if they're at a public school, do you think your child can withstand the pressure of the entire school administration, all the teachers pressuring them to get a medical procedure? That 12-year-old child needs parental guidance. They don't know what the right decision is. They rely on you as their parent to make that decision for you. That's why it's important for the parent to give informed consent. Otherwise, other adults with other agendas, adults that don't love your children, are going to be giving them this guidance, pressuring them, coercing them even, to follow an agenda that doesn't match your love for your child. And so this bill is not just about COVID-19. It's not just about your busy work schedule. This bill actively takes away your parental rights. In a very serious area, medical decisions based, medical decisions for your child, it's taking away your rights. And I am not surprised, by the way, that this was introduced by State Senator Scott Weiner. This man, let me tell you, is a menace. You should recognize this man's name because he introduces some of the most destructive, dangerous, disgusting, legislation into California. This is the same man who, under the guise of pretending just to ban conversion therapy, meaning he pretends that he wants to ban abusive pray-the-gay-away camps, but in 
that legislation that he introduced, I think it was in 2015, 2016 maybe, in the state of California, there was actually a provision that would ban Christian counselors, Christian therapists, from discouraging young people, teenagers, from being engaging in promiscuous same-sex sexual behavior. That's not the same thing at all, is it? Abusive Pray the Gay Away camps is a lot different than a Christian youth pastor saying, hey, I see that you're engaging in the hookup culture and you're doing it with same-sex partners. Let me talk to you about why that might not be good for you and help you adjust your behavior accordingly. Those are two very different things, but State Senator Scott Weiner disingenuously presented this bill to be about abusive conversion therapy when really the language would have criminalized Christian counseling. About behavior, not even about sexual orientation or sexual attraction, but behavior. Again, we see this dichotomy between what the left says and what the left does. They claim they care about you as parents, but they actively want to take away your parental rights, your dominion over your children, your decision-making rights, your responsibility for your kids. Instead, they want kids to be essentially belonging to the state. And they want the public school system to be the place that this transition happens, this transition from the family unit to state-owned, to children being owned by the state. They want this to happen in the public school system. And this bill is a perfect example of this. The same with pregnant women. What is, I mean, the left is famous for claiming that they want to be there for pregnant women. That's why they claim that they're supportive of abortion, that they champion abortion because women's rights, they say, they want, they want women to feel that they're supported. They don't want women to be subject to a pregnancy that they didn't intend that would deprive them of career opportunities and blah, 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 blah. And yet, there was an art, and yet there was an article on People magazine just the other day about celebrities who'd gotten abortion. And this article was presented as in, listen, other women have gotten abortion and they want you to know that it's okay. Yet if you listen to their words, if you listen to the words of these celebrities, each one is voicing regrets for their abortion. They talk about the trauma that they experienced from their abortion. To this day, they suffer the trauma. The nightmares, the haunting was one of the words used. That they were coerced. They felt like they didn't have anywhere to go except abortion, no other options. They were being pushed and pressured to sacrifice the life of their child on the altar of someone else's career goals for them. Again, this dichotomy, these words that the left speaks, they claim to love women. They claim to want to be there for women who are facing unexpected pregnancies. And yet their actions show that they're actually pressuring women to do something that not only ends the life of their unborn baby, but harms the women too. The left actually hates women. They actually hate the people that they care to love. The same with minorities. The left claims that they're the champion of minorities. And yet look at our inner cities right now. Look at what's happening in New York City. Look at what's happening in downtown Chicago. In Chicago, people are being shot. And we don't hear about it on the news. We barely ever hear about it, actually. Even the mayor of Chicago barely addresses it. In New York City, with this, with this new no-cash bail law, Violent criminals are being released after being arrested and they're going on to commit other violent crimes against other people. And who are most likely to be the victims of violent crimes? Minorities, Black Americans, Hispanic Americans, Orthodox Jews in New York City. And the laws 
and the policies that lead to this increase in crime, whether it's defunding the police, whether it's demonizing the police through Black Lives Matter, whether it's no cash bail, whether it's we're not going to prosecute people unless it's a very serious violent crime. That's from this new district attorney in Manhattan. All of these policies are actions. These are the actions that show us that the left's actions contradicts their words. They don't like minorities. They hate minorities because their actions cause damage, cause harm, sometimes even cause the death of minorities. When th- this is the thought experiment that I've been engaging with, engaging in the last couple of days because the same is true for migrants. Look at our Southern border. The left claims that they, that they love migrants. They love illegal aliens. They love anybody who comes to the United States seeking a better life. And I'm not trying to demonize people who are coming to the United States to seek a better life. I would too if I lived somewhere else. The United States is the best nation the world has ever known. Of course, everyone should want to live here. I certainly would. But what the left does is they exploit this. They don't just exploit the idea, they exploit the person. They exploit the migrant. 30% of women and children who are trafficked by the coyotes and cartels up to the U.S. southern border are sexually abused. They're raped and assaulted. How can you claim to care about migrants when your policies encourage this trafficking? And when I say your policies encourage this trafficking, it is a direct correlation. When you allow people to cross our border and then you release them after just a day or two in Border Patrol detention, you release them into the United States with a court date, no expectation that anyone's gonna show up for their court date. When you implement policies like catch and release, where if you bring a child, even if it's not proven to be your biological child with you, then you are let off scot-free That encourages people to come to our border. It encourages people to use and exploit and abuse children and these recycling rings of children that are used as a get out of jail free card to get into the United States. The left's actions contradicts their words. My husband worked in a border patrol detention facility providing medical care to the migrants that were housed there. He did that. And it's very clear that the left's left's narrative contradicts reality at the end. Their words say, these these AOCs said, oh, these are concentration camps, these detention facilities, and they're inhumane for separating families. Well, let me tell you, from my husband's experience, there is a separate holding cell for adult males and adult females. There's a separate holding cell for teenage boys too. Do you know why? It's It's not because there's an intention to separate families. It's because it's dangerous for women and children to be housed with strange grown men. There's nowhere for women and children to escape when they're in a detention facility when a grown man, a predator, comes after them. You also can't put teenage boys, young teenage boys especially, in a holding cell with women and children or in a holding cell with grown men because the same thing happens. Evil exists. There are predators. And it is for the protection of the migrants that the Border Patrol separates them, temporarily separates them. That's actually caring for people. That's actually treating them with love. The left, however, wants to abolish this because it's a good talking point. They want to pretend to care and to love, but their actions show that that's not the case. Their actions show the opposite. So again, I posit to you today that the left doesn't love the people that they they claim to care for. They don't love women. They don't love children. They don't love the unborn. Clearly, they don't love parents, they don't love students, they don't love minorities, they don't love migrants, they hate them. They hate children, they hate women, 
They hate parents. They hate migrants. They hate minorities. Their actions prove this. Because if, if, and we can take this thought experiment even one step further, if what the left is engaging in is love, then love is hate. And the left certainly is showing through their actions that they hate. All right, so the next video that I want to show you is a real doozy here. It's actually extremely ironic, um, the mental health issues that this that this video demonstrates here. And the irony of the fact that before we get to that video, I wanna to talk to you about headspace and mental health. The irony here won't be lost on any of us. So first I wanna to talk to you about headspace. I don't know who needs to hear this right now, but here you go. You deserve to feel better than you do today. And you can with headspace. Headspace makes meditation simple. If mental health is part of your self-care plan this year, then you owe it to yourself to try headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of relaxation in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash Liz. That's headspace.com slash Liz for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditation for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. So head to headspace.com slash Liz. All right, as I said, again, the irony here is delicious. It's hilarious here. Um, I wanna show you this video from The View. On The View, on that show this week, the hosts were specifically Whoopi Goldberg here. Whoopi Goldberg was castigating Bill Maher for saying that COVID is over, that he's done with COVID. She was outraged because, you know, she's unscientific and paranoid, apparently. And Bill Maher had on Barry Weiss, who is not even conservative, by the way, former New York Times writer. She now has a fantastic Substack. Um, but she was saying that she's over COVID, she's over the government tyranny, she's over the contradiction, she's just over it. And the liberal audience um, at that show, at Bill Maher's show, the, the applause was absolutely insane here. This is all not what I'm showing you. This, this video is actually of another liberal host on The View, Sarah Haynes, talking about, well, her own mental health issues, in my opinion here, her view on masks. Take a listen to this. Anymore. to the post-mask part, because I think there's a prudence we've learned with the mask, the hand, sanita uh, hand sanitizing that kind of like 9-11 with flying is always going to be here now. There's a new normal. In the beginning, when at post-9-11, people didn't want to fly, and the security measures felt like, uh, how do we do this, you know? And now it's the norm. I think some of the things we've learned in this pandemic are going to stay the same. I may never ride a subway again without a mask. I may never go indoors to big crowds and ever feel comfortable without a mask, and that's up to me to do that. No, what that shows, in all seriousness, that is a mental health problem. If you're never going to be comfortable not wearing a mask again, then, you know, that is a psychological issue because we all know the science on masks. We all know the science of the virus. We all know that it is a psychological issue. If you feel that you cannot go in public without experiencing an existential threat, that's not reality. That's delusion. She's suffering from a very serious delusion here, this paranoia. I mean, it's what we talked about last week, this mass formation psychosis. She views other people not as people, but as viruses. She views them as pathogens. And this is, well, this is pathological of her to, to behave in this way. And I, I, I have a very, very crucial thing to talk about when it comes to COVID today. Um, the very crucial thing to talk about 
is about vaccines. And of course, we can't talk about this on big tech. So we're going to head over to locals to talk about this. And let me just tell you, if you are not a VIP on the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals, go over, become a VIP now, because you're going to want to talk about this. You're going to want to hear this experience that I have had. Um, go over to LizWheelerShow.com slash locals, become a VIP. Um, before, I'll, I'll give you a chance to do that. And before, before we get to that, I do want to give a shout out to our Locals VIP of the week. This is All for America. That is the username of our Locals VIP of the week. All for America. Welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals. It's a delight to have you. Please take a moment to introduce yourself so that we all know who you are, what brought you to the Liz Wheeler Show community, what issues you care about the most, where you live. Um, we like to get to know each other over there. There's all kinds of good stuff that happens. Um, I don't need to tell you that. I do want to get into this This vaccine discussion, if you will. So please join us over on the Liz Wheeler Show community. If you want to see the rest of this segment, hear everything that we're going to talk about, head on over to Locals, the Liz Wheeler Show community at lizwheelershow.com slash locals. See you there. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of Photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler. Production and Talent Coordinator, Matt Toffler. And Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.